week we actually got to interview Elise Davis, who is just, oh my god, I'm such a fan. She's such an amazing person. She is so good at Yu-Gi-Oh! Um, she was in the Remote Duel Invitational, she's top YCS, and um, she's going to be in another Remote Duel Invitational, which may be out by the time this video is done. And um, I kind of asked her, you know, can you tell me how to be better at Yu-Gi-Oh? Can you give me advice? And um, we did have a duel afterwards, and she did crush me with her um, intense Dragon Link deck. <laughs> but um, the, the, the cool thing is that um, we just had a great time. So um, definitely listen to the interviews and check out the duel at the end, and um, I'll be posting more next week. Do you want to introduce yourself? Since you know yourself uh, better than me. Sure. Uh, hello, I'm Elise. I'm just some rant, some dumb B word that <laughs> exists on the internet and kind of plays Yu-Gi-Oh! somewhat okay. I'm playing in the upcoming Invitational, uh, or Remote Duel Invitational. I played in the last one. I have at least one YCS top and some other things. I stream on Twitch. Maybe go watch me. I don't know. Whatever, do as you please. I'm not your mom, I can't tell you what to do. Right, not your mom, but maybe the mommy. Uh, oh! <laughs> I'm just kidding. See, this is because I was staring at an Amanda Lay Palm mat, like, for like, two hours when I'm doing this guy, and it was just like this, like, dragon maid with like, giant boobs, and then there was this like, younger looking dragon maid who's like, headwards on her boobs, and I was like, are they mom and daughter? Like, are they sisters? Are they, are they something else? And like, it was so freaking distracting, I actually lost the duel because like, I couldn't stop thinking about it. But, I don't know, I, I, I shout out to Amanda Lipom, she's a very talented artist, I, uh, Amanda Lipom's great, I'm gonna be spending at least $500 on her within the next month. Nice. So yeah. Um, but yeah, distracting flumets, uh, boobies. They, they do things. I mean, th that's what a lot of people do because a lot of Yu Gi Oh players are distracted by boobs. <laughs> me included, as someone who likes boobs. So. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't distract me when I'm playing because, like, I, I mean, the fuck, why am I gonna get distracted while playing Yu Gi Oh? Yeah. Um, booba, indeed. Anyway, uh, True. we should. Yeah, so that's Elise. If y'all have any questions, just let me know. Um, so I have some uh, questions prepared for you, so I will go through them. Um, so I'm wondering if you could tell me your most memorable duel. Uh, I don't know. Like, the thing is, it's like, I just remember a lot, but there's none that stick out as like, most memorable like I guess the most memorable recent one is the time where uh when I was playing in the last invitational where I literally like had dino down to the wire and then he just red reboots me when I'm playing a dragon deck and it actually ended up being the difference between him winning the game and then winning the match and I was just like why <laughs> why is this happening to me imagine actually reboot doing something to a dragon deck like <laughs> Please, someone help me. Who sides in reboot for Dragon Deck? No, 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 no. <laughs> this was game one. He main decked reboot. Ah, uh, I see. It doesn't make it any better. <laughs> but like, god damn it. 
but it's what it is. Yeah, I've definitely been red rebooted and lost as a result. That card is insane. I didn't really realize how insane it was until they limited it, and then I understood. Like, oh. Yeah, I mean, like, again, I was playing a dragon deck. That shouldn't be the card I'd be losing to, <laughs> but that's the literal only card I lost to in that instance, and I'm just like... Why? R.I.P. That is pain. Yep. Okay, um, let's see. So, uh, that, what, what about the, what, so that was the most memorable duel, but the next question was, what's the worst duel you've had? But is that basically the same thing? I mean, worst games I've ever had is just, like, where I literally can't play the game, and I just, like, I've literally had some matches where I literally just couldn't play twice in a row, and I just lost, and I, like, lost in five minutes, and I'm just, like, Okay, this is pointless. Why am I even here? Yeah. Like... <laughs> is that Mystic Mine or an FTK? No, I just, like, bricked twice. Oh, I see. It was not fun. It was not fun. Yeah. I, I brick indeed. Um... Yep. Okay. So, um, we had some questions about, like, going to YCS alone versus going to with a group of friends and so we were kind of wondering like what do you do and does that have an impact on your on your experience and your your fun and stuff like that I mean I've never gone to a YCS alone I always you know plan on having someone to go with and plan it like I always have something going on when I am going to a YCS I'm never like actually alone I always have something or somewhere to go or something to do it's it's not, like, I don't know. I just go with friends, and, like, the event is kind of just an excuse to be able to see the friends and just hang out and chill, and then, like, the event is just like, oh, I guess I get to play Yu-Gi-Oh, too. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely, I hope you come to California, and then we can hang out. I mean, yeah, I was going to go to California if they were going to have YCS Pasadena last year, but, uh... If they reschedule that, then I have an excuse to go to California. Okay, cool. And you're in Minnesota? Yep, I'm in Minnesota. We would have had Worlds, but, uh, oops. Yeah, Thanks, oops, COVID. COVID. Right. Thanks, Getrex. Um, okay. So what kind of advice do you have for new or returning players? Um, just... Play a lot, immerse yourself in the game, read every card, just, just I don't know, playing a lot and getting experience I think is one of the best ways to go. Like, you just need to be very familiarized with the card pool and, like, what's going on, and I think that's going to help you, like, if you take time initially to learn, like, what the best decks are and kind of learn, like, the ins and outs, then you have a lot smoother experience transi transitioning into, like, fully playing and whatnot. So I think it's just doing your research and just like getting your experience like really quick and easy like research plus experience are the best ways to do it you just have to put in the time and effort yep definitely i actually sat there uh i couldn't sleep so i just pulled out my dry charm deck and i started reading and i found out that like if nightmare phoenix is co-linked it can't be destroyed by paddle and like I think unicorn can't be destroyed by card effects, and I was like, "What the hell?" I had no idea that these were real. So uh -huh. I don't know. Take a moment to read your cards. I know it's it's uh, 
intimidating read every card but i don't know can't sleep spend five minutes reading and you can learn a lot yeah like uh when like i have a really good example from uh the extravaganza i played in this weekend i uh i did not read a card fully and it literally cost me a game but like i was able to still go to game three and win the match but like it was the difference between having a secure win and potentially having to lose so it was just like i could have just avoided that completely but then i just didn't yeah definitely uh avra is appreciative of your uh your response um, nice okay here's a, a question that's a little beyond me but do you think the meta can get too homogenized at any point like would you say that it becomes one-sided and what are the pros and cons of that like i guess what they're i don't really know what they're entirely trying to ask like if it just becomes like too much of the same thing or it's all centralized into like one deck or something is what i'm guessing they're asking um so i guess the best thing is like i actually think that like formats with less decks are actually for the better and one of the best examples i like to bring up with that is like when a uh, 2017 nats like the best deck was zodiac and it was very centralized around just zoo um because of that, it was a very, like, skillful deck to pilot, so you had to play, like, a lot of mirror matches, but there were also skill-intensive mirror matches, so it overall improved everyone's skill as a whole and just, you know, made players better for the future, and I think that's good, realistically speaking, because, like, the thing is, too, when uh, formats become too wide open, there becomes a lot of conundrums with being able to, like, have enough side slots properly and preparing for each matchup then it becomes too much of a uh like dice roll to figure out if like oh i didn't prepare enough cards for mermail now i just lose to it because everything else was a bit more important in how i thought about it and like it i don't know two wide open formats just leave you up to too many possibilities so i think smaller formats are a bit better especially when they're decks that are a bit more skill intensive um, what, what, what do you think about now? Like, do you think there are too many decks now, or do you think, like, maybe the meta's no. defined, or...? I mean, the meta is perfectly defined. We know exactly what the meta is. We knew what the meta was since literally the weekend before the ban list. Like, <laughs> we knew exactly what it was, and nothing has really changed that much. Um, I think it's, like, not a bad spot. I think it's perfectly fine. We have enough that exists where it's not, like, too little or too much i think it's an okay spot and i think if it wasn't solved right away the meta would be fine but us immediately having the meta solved it, it just doesn't make it fun but i i think it would be a healthy meta if it didn't get so stale so quick yeah i'm hearing a lot of complaints from people about this format being super lame um well i just got a new deck so i don't care <laughs> So. I mean, the thing is, new decks doesn't exactly solve that problem because it's not exactly like that's still changing the entire format as a whole or changing the, the face of the game at this current point. And that's why, like, I don't like saying just buy a new deck as a solution to that problem. Uh, I mean, maybe I'm just different, too. And I also just play every single deck and I, like, actually, like, try every a bunch of different things. So, I don't know. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, we have some comments in the chat talking about, like, more diverse format. In their opinion, is oh, more difficult uh, to side against. 
strategist. That's exactly what I was saying. Is like it that 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 was exactly my point. I'm sorry if I didn't uh, eloquent it enough properly, but yeah, the point was in a more diverse format, it's harder to decide and everything like that. Yeah, yeah. No, that was exactly what my point was. Um, I think smaller formats are honestly better for the game. Yeah. Well, like we've had formats in this game's history where we've had like anywhere from like. 10 to 20 decks that are like actually like existing and viable like if there's 10 or more decks that exist i think that's just it's it's not overall good for the health of the competitive game and i think it just takes too much away and it makes it too a little bit more luck based than we'd like it to be yeah i could see that for sure all right um what is the best advice you've ever received during your Yu-Gi-Oh journey um, I mean, one of the first pieces of advice I got that, uh, really helped on my road to get better was always stick to 40 cards. If you can go to 39, that's also good, but try and stick to 40 as much as possible, unless 100% the math works out, and there are ways to, like, you need to have multiple, multiple, multiple reasons why to justify going over 40, otherwise, always sticking to 40 is just the best rule of thumb you can always have. And very, like, uh, rarely do you need to go over 40 cards. Okay. Yes, Cody Angeloff talked me into changing my 42-card deck to a 39-card deck. Um, It's mathematically more correct and actually just makes, like, everything better in the long run. There's no reason not to. Yeah. Um. I feel like I lose more with his build than mine, but that also could mean nothing because I haven't played that many games with it, so. I mean, I don't know, see what happens, but like, (laughs) if it was Cody that's actually making, I mean, Cody's a decent deck builder, but I think he still has a long way to go, and I don't take everything he would say deck building to heart, but if he gave me a deck list from someone else that then, like, I would trust a bit more, but, like, Cody still has, like, solid advice points to give, and I think it's definitely a huge help for you compared to what you had before. Yes. Exactly. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, where did you get that outfit for your raid cosplay? Uh, I can actually link it in chat really quick. I just gotta quick find it. I just, like, Googled Sky Striker Ray cosplay, and that's literally what I'm about to do now. Oh, nice. Uh, and I'll just grab the link for it. I'll link it in chat. Um, it, yeah, literally just Google Sky Striker Ray cosplay, and you can find it. But there, I posted it in chat. But yeah, it was like sixty bucks. I had to buy a wig too, so it was like a hundred bucks total. So like, for and it was a decent quality cosplay. So like. All things considered, it was actually kind of worth it. Oh, nice. That's cool. Yeah, yeah you look super cute. It was really cool. Oh, man. They even yeah. have, like, Blair Flanagan and Alexis Rose shoes. Interesting. Yeah. Yep, there are a lot of cosplay outfits that exist. I think they also have, like, Dragon Maid stuff there, too. Oh, man. Uh, I do not want to live that out That trap was trying to fantasy. talk me into the Dragon Maid <laughs> stuff, too, but I was just like, nah... I'm good. Yeah, I do not want to live out someone's fantasy. That is weird. Well, it's more just like I don't care about the Dragon Maids like that. Like, Ray is Bay, but you know, like I even have like this uh, 
this keychain of a good old Ray. Oh, so, wow. you know, that's how much I love Ray. Oh, wow. Interesting. Cool. Yeah, Ray's cool. She caused me a lot of pain, but she's cool. Oh. Um, but to be fair, I was coming back to the game after like eight years, so I didn't really know how to handle Ray. Valid. Valid. Okay, um, I have a question from MBT. What is the oh, worst God. deck you ever talk with? His guess is Extravagant Spies is definitely up there. Nah, I, I responded to his question in Discord, and I'm literally like, you're actually capping right now because that deck was actually insane. There's no way that deck was bad. That deck was not a meme. It was a real deck. It was actually insane. We kept working on it for, like, another month after that. Like, the deck was good. I don't get why he thinks it's bad. Well, like, what the for, fuck? For someone like me, what exactly is Extrav Spies? Um, so it's the Spiral deck, but instead of, like, uh, the normal combo route, you played Pot of Extravagance in it, and it was kind of focused more on, like, consistency, and you end on, ended on more of, like, a simplified board, but the thing is, the board was good enough to where you usually, like, your opponent couldn't really play anyways, you didn't need to go, like, the, the full amount to, like, you know, go over the top and have the board that Spiral normally ended on at the time, because we would end on, like, Appalosa, Sleeper, and Dweller, which should, like, most decks shouldn't be able to play through that. And then uh, we had more cards in hand typically, which meant we had better follow-up potential. So I think it was good. I don't know. Yeah, he's um, probably just trolling. I, I, I don't know, man. But the, the worst deck I've probably ever topped with, like, was... I mean, if we're going with, like, quote-unquote real tops, um, I mean, True Draco, I topped with at the... Uh, ARG Invitational was... I mean, I played Draco in Goki format. Like, I'm asking for punishment, honestly. Otherwise, like, the only other thing that probably stacks up to that is when I, uh... I got my first regional top. It was with a... Actually, no, 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 no. Scratch that, because that, that, that deck was actually okay. The, the worst deck I've ever topped with is I played a 44-card Zodiac deck at, like, a regional, and I got, like, top 8, and, like, I played 44 cards. That should speak for enough in and of itself it should have never been that many cards it definitely was not a good list uh, it, it just no it was not worth it yeah true yeah. draco has also caused me a lot of pain it was like i mean yeah that, that deck is annoying because <laughs> i like uh for anyone watching who's like me and didn't know what toss was i i think it's like thunder dragon orcus yeah eternal salad. format yeah and um, my Gravekeeper's deck, my freaking eight years old Gravekeeper's deck, did really well against Orcus, uh, Salomon Great, and Thunder Dragons, but it did nothing against True Draco, and so it was just sad. But yeah. Fair, fair, fair. Um, what was your first favorite deck? Uh, my first favorite deck. Uh, I believe it was Fire Fist. Like, that was the first deck that became my favorite deck, I believe. But then after that, uh, Ray is Bay for life. But definitely Fire Fist was my first favorite deck that I had, and then, yeah. Alright. Okay. Uh-oh, I have my AC on. Oh, damn it, the video's gonna sound really bad. Okay, whatever. Eh, it could be worse. Yeah, it could be worse. Okay, 
It's really freaking hot. Okay, what can I say? Anyway. I feel that. <laughs> I hate the heat so much. <laughs> What's the weather like over there? Uh, I mean, like, it's been really humid lately, so it extra sucks. Um, let's see how much it is right now. Oh, it's like 71. So it's still too hot for me. Like, perfect weather for me would be like 40s or 50s, honestly. Oh my god. 40s and 50s is like winter. I love it. <laughs> okay. Um, I love it so much. <laughs> we did have a question about, like, if you've ever put the game down and come back to it or have you felt like you just can't escape from the game like how does it feel um i mean the most i put down the game for was like uh because like i played the game like for the most part like growing up until i like was in high school and then i just like didn't because i was doing other stuff at the time and then i got like i think it was like a couple years but the thing is before that, I was never really competitive with the game, so I don't know if I really consider anything before that really, like, know anything about Yu-Gi-Oh! or anything like that. So when I got back in, like, I got back in in, like, 2011 when I had money to actually spend on buying cards, buying a deck and everything, and, like, being truly competitive, it, it didn't really feel like... Like, I didn't know anything beforehand anyway, so, like, I didn't even know that I was... I, I took a break. It didn't really even feel like anything. I just had to adjust to what Yu-Gi-Oh! was at the time, but I don't know. It was just, it wasn't even that bad of an adjustment point. It was just seeing all this new different stuff that, like, I never had, like, the open eyes to really, like, fully experience because I was never in the right mindset to know, like, when all these, like, big decks existed, I didn't even know about them. I didn't, like, when Teladad was a thing, I think I was still playing, but I didn't really know about it. Like, all the broken decks that have existed in Yu-Gi-Oh, I never really knew about. I just had some shitty fucking Yu-Gi-Oh cards in my room that I just, like, threw together and played with, but... Once I got back in, it just it didn't even really feel like the the same thing and didn't really feel like a break at the same time. So it was just like, I don't know. It was just an experience of like learning something newish in a way. So I don't know. Okay. Awesome. Hmm. Yeah. Uh we have uh, some compliments in the chat for you. I don't know if you're looking at chat, but Oh um, yeah. Uh when she teched in World Dino Wrestling to search out Panker Tops with Foolish Barrel Goods. Can someone, I mean, can you explain what that means? Oh, so uh, there's this card that we played in the Strecker deck called uh, World Dino Wrestling. It's actually a Dino Wrestler card. Um, in the graveyard, you can banish it to summon a uh, Dino Wrestler from your deck. So you just use Foolish Barrel Goods, which spends a, sends a Spell or Trap from deck to grave. And then you can just banish the Dino Wrestling summon Panker Tops from deck. It was actually definitely completely incorrect for the event we played it in. Also, I didn't come up with the tech. I just played it. Um, but it was definitely not the right choice for the event, knowing, like, in hindsight, it wasn't the best choice. It was the best choice for what we thought it was going to be, but it ended up not being the right choice, but it still worked out, kind of. I don't know. Okay. But, cool. yeah. Awesome. Um, do you play any mm -hmm. other formats? Like, there's GOAT format... Like, is there any other past format you play? Um, I know, like, I play some here and there. Like, the ones I really like uh, that I want to get into more, uh, like, there are two different 2014 formats I really like. The Nats format and the Duelist Alliance format. I know uh, Cody, Pack, Coder, and them are going to get into 2014 Nats, so I'm going to probably do that with them. And then, uh, 
I want to try and play Duelist Alliance format. I also really like 2016 uh, Invasion Vengeance format, which is like Metal Foes, uh, Paleo Frog, ABC, Blue Eyes, like that whole format. That was really fun. Uh, and then I also really like uh, 2017 Nats format, which is like the Zodiac format. And then uh, there's part of me that wants to replay like the end of 2019 because I, I didn't really get to play that format that much and it seemed really fun. So that's another one I kind of wouldn't mind playing. So yeah, there's a few different examples of formats I like. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I can barely play this format, so I don't bother playing old formats. <laughs> oh yeah, no, definitely focus on what you need to first. And like, for, you know, someone like, you know, me and Cody and the rest of us, we have the experience where we don't need to play that much more, and we can, you know, take the time to step away from current format where we're not currently enjoying it as much and, you know, do something different. Um, but you definitely have, like, this little light for the game no matter what and are still even learning it to this day. So does it, you don't even have really, like, the same emotion and reaction that everyone else does compared to, like, you know, whatever. So it's like, you still think it's, like, fresh and exciting because you still see different things every single day that you're still learning, but we already, like, learned and experienced it, so it's just different perspective. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I do, like, the only thing I really miss is, like, playing Gravekeepers, because I just freaking love that deck, and mm -hmm. so someone was trying to get me, to, multiple people trying to get me to do GOAT format, and they're like, you can play Gravekeepers again, and I'm just like, oh, don't tempt me, Frodo, I don't want to go back. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, fun fact, one of the first decks I played when I got back into competitive Yu-Gi-Oh! was Gravekeeper, so oh, nice. uh, I feel that, but like, I don't, I don't know, I don't hold much nostalgia basis for decks anymore, like, for the most part, like, at least from, like, when I started, it's more just, like, me doing well with decks gives me nostalgia now. Hmm. So, yeah. I see. Yeah. I don't know. I'm pretty happy mm. learning Drytron right now, even though my deck is going to change. Yeah, I mean, it's a good deck to learn, and I think getting down the fundamentals of it right now is really good for you. There's definitely nothing wrong with wanting to learn it right now. I think you're actually taking the right steps you need to, because the thing is, it's not like your deck's fundamentals and how it plays in a basis changes right now. Uh, or it doesn't, like, change. So you still get the basics down, and you just add a couple new tools. So I think you're definitely going in the right direction and learning it now. Yeah. Because otherwise you have a lot more catch-up. Yeah, I think you're right. And it's weird because I never thought I could do combo. Like, I I don't know, I always thought it would be too hard, but then Cody was, like, encouraging me to try. If I really like Drytons, then I should go for it. And then, um, basically, uh, Tatsum met with me, and he showed me the combos, and I, like, memorized them right away. It was really weird. I was like, I did not know I could do that. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Don't hold back. If you have a deck you want to do, don't think it's too hard, because if you really like the deck, you'll learn it just fine. Yeah, I mean, it took me a while to get into the, like, reins of being a quote-unquote combo player. Like, I definitely was still more of, like, a back rowish mid-range kind of person. I still did not like trying to submit to combo if I could, but now I can't even see myself not playing combo. If I don't play combo, I'm actually kind of going crazy. So, <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know. Like, I, I can't imagine 
like that I normal summon Alistair so many freaking times. Like, at least with combo, it's a little more interesting than that. Mm. So yeah. Um. Well, here's the thing, though, prankster. Uh, someone brought up in your chat really quick, like, for example, striker. But the thing is, striker was a mid-range deck that. Uh, function like a combo deck because one of the fundamentals of combo decks that I like explaining of why they're good is because you're playing a deck that has access to all of its resources and uh, you know plays as such so you have to think about uh, playing a lot differently and striker is one of those decks that has fundamentals of a combo deck but plays in a bit slower of a facet so it's just a lot different like meaning to it and that's why I like striker because it's still a combo basis while not being outright combo so yeah word anyways <laughs> okay moving on, on on that um happy note i i i do have a, a sad emoji question what's the purpose of playing Yu-Gi-Oh when it just creates sadness sad face i mean i've had some of the happier moments of my life playing Yu-Gi-Oh, so i can't relate i've had some bad moments but the, the good stuff always outweighs the bad. Um, like, I mean, I'm currently... I, I met my girlfriend because of Yu-Gi-Oh! So, like, and the last three relationships I've had have been because of Yu-Gi-Oh! So, like, and, you know, I've gotten such joy and happiness from just being around my friends and being able to succeed. I don't know. It, like, I don't think it... If it really creates such sadness for you then it's probably not the hobby for you, but <laughs> at the end of the day, it's been a positive influence in my life, so I don't view it as such. Like, anything in life can frustrate you. That's just how life is. You just get back on the horse and do shit. Sure, prankster, you give me happiness. Why not? <laughs> Ew, dating a Yu-Gi-Oh player, Kappa. <laughs> I mean... It, you you guaranteed have someone to test with at any time of the day. Like I I could, I mean I can just do that anyway. So I can't even really say it like that. I mean you always guarantee have someone to talk about Yu-Gi-Oh with. I don't know, and like, I don't know. <laughs> it, it, it's weird for me because like I'll literally just be laying in bed and then, like she's a huge Farfa fan, so she'll just whisper like Pendulum in my ear, just be like Pendulum, <laughs> or like just some other bullshit. I'm just like. Oh, so this is what's wrong with dating a Yu-Gi-Oh player. <laughs> uh, Farfa's an interesting yeah. guy. Farfa fans are interesting people. So I'm like all the same. They have these same mannerisms. It's very interesting. Uh, cool. Okay, Real, you give me happiness too. All my people in my chat give me happiness because you make it make Twitch worth it. So. Indeed. You sound Anyways. like decayed wife. I don't know what that means. Uh, anyway, how do you figure out tech cards for large events, and how do you test them for formats with a more diverse line of decks? Fun fact. I don't do shit. <laughs> I copy my homework. I let everyone else do the work for me. Um, I don't... I don't have the brain for that shit. Um, I... I, uh... I'm... I'm I live to my title of being some dumb bitch. Uh, I, I really do. Uh, like, I have other people help me. I help them test the ideas, and, like, they'll come up with an idea, and we'll try what we think the decks are in the format and see if the idea is really worth going forward with. Um, 
the thing is, we don't have to do as much extensive testing because, like, there is a lot of theory that can just take place that solves a lot of the need for testing. Um, so we do, like, not as much testing as probably expected, but it's still a good amount. And it's really quick and easy to move on from, like, one thing to the other. So, I don't know. It It's just playing games. Like, we sit on DB for, like, a couple hours and just, like, test a few things here or there and, like, you know, just cycle through the ideas and see what works. But I I don't make the ideas. I just help bring them to fruition once the ideas are thought of. I like that. You know, that's a partnership, you know. They do the yeah, I mean, you do the testing. Right, and, like, I... I feel bad to some degree because, like, the thing is, is like, like people keep bringing up like the 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 striker top I had with World Dino Wrestling. Like, that wasn't my idea. People still don't realize it wasn't. Like, don't give proper credit to the person who actually came up with the idea. Just because I played it doesn't mean like I'm the mastermind behind it. Um, and like you know all that stuff and like you know I I I just want to make sure that like proper people get proper credit for the things that they help me do. And as long as they do, I don't really care. But, like, I just want to make sure the people that, you know, help me get to where I am get the proper credit. And I try my best now. Okay, yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I think, so, like, yeah, that team-oriented <laughs> approach to Yu-Gi-Oh! is actually, like, really, really good. Um, you know, that way each person can play to their strengths. And I'm sure you you contribute. Like, you act like it's like, oh, I don't do any work. I'm sure you do work. I'm sure you contribute a lot. I mean, I, I, I do it to, like, the the physical application of, like, testing the cards and whatnot. Like, we'll work together to test, but more of the brains comes from Justin than anything else. I mean, that's my main testing partner and the one who comes up with, like, 90% of the things I use in this game. So, uh... I mean, I still contribute, I still help, and by contribute, I mean I just help discuss the ideas with him so we can, like, you know, truly bring it to fruition and, like, work through the kinks, but I don't do most of the work, but I still help to some degree. Okay. Teamwork, guys. That's the message. Yee. It's kind of like Yugi and the other Yugi. Yeah, there, there is genuinely no way for you to succeed at this game alone. You need to actually have other people helping you and whatnot. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, I tried that when I played eight years ago. I I would just play DB alone by myself. I didn't have anyone to talk to about the game. I didn't have any friends. People were weird to me. I was probably weird to them. And I just stayed sucky. And then eventually I quit. But like now I have lots of friends. Like Elise helps me, and Cody helps me, and Pack helps me. And I'm a lot better, even though I don't play as much as I used to, which is weird. But yeah. So, yeah. Like, I've definitely gotten better in the last three years through the people I met than I would have if I just never met them. Yeah, for sure. Okay, I'm afraid to ask this question, but someone submitted it, so I will ask it. Um, when is she gonna play Please? Oh god. Um, that's just a meme in my chat because it's like one of my least favorite decks of all time. And I don't plan on playing it because I just genuinely dislike the deck. Um, but 
my chat keeps trying to make me do it. My own girlfriend even tried to donate one time to make me play it, but luckily, like, someone in chat was like, nah, we don't want to see you suffer, because I literally could not think of a way to make it playable, and luckily we abandoned it, but I told my chat, next dono goal, we could do, like, a $500 dono goal to make me play the deck for one local, but, like, I, I, I'm not trying to play it if I don't have to. Like, I don't want to... I already get frustrated enough when I have to play, like, playable bad decks, but if I have to play an unplayable bad deck, like, I will just hate my life. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know what Klee is, so I, it, I have no Just comment. think of it as, like, Altergeist from the olden days, but add Pendulum Summoning to it. Oh. That's painful to think Yeah, of. I, uh, I, I don't like it. I don't like trap decks that are, like, just... Floodgate oppressive bullshit. <laughs> it's like worse sub terrors. Okay. Yeah. Well, that, y'all know that how also I... is like, yeah. That's also a good example. Y'all know how I feel about pendulums, so yeah. I don't know if you're. Well, plus you weren't around when like pendulums were insane, insane. So yeah, like, I would. You don't have to suffer to the same degree that like we've had to. Clean is just super consistent hot dog water. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not completely wrong. Okay. Um, oh. We did have someone ask, or many people ask, what's the best way to jump from casual to competitive? Uh, I mean, first of all, playing competitive decks is like a really good start and like, you know, just immersing yourself in everything and i guess to really go the next step you just need to have like a good circle around you i think that's one of the best ways to do it because like again like i said i i considered myself before playing competitively but I, I compared to who i am and what i do now i was definitely nowhere near competitive um but my when my circle increased to like good players it definitely elevated my game to where it is now and uh yeah, I wouldn't be where I am if I didn't get my circle. So, like, getting, uh, like, a lot of testing with players that are better than you is, like, really good because you're going to learn so much more than you ever could. And there's a lot of things they can teach you that you would have never even thought of that you need to learn. So. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, so if I play rogue decks and play it competitively where I can beat meta decks, should I stay with rogue or play meta? I think genuinely you learn more from playing meta decks than you will ever learn from rogue decks i genuinely do think you will learn 10 times more from dragon link than you will learn from mermail <laughs> 100 percent. like I, it, that's just how it is like you may think you can pick up Dragon Link right now and play it effectively, but you actually underestimate how skillful and thought-intensive the deck truly is, and being able to, like, literally jump from format to format and effectively play, like, those high-tier top decks, a lot of people don't truly realize how much really goes into it, and it really takes a lot, and y you, you just get so much better by learning them. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, like, the thing is that you don't actually have to, like, buy the deck. You can just test it out online 
and just learn how it works. And that's the best way to learn the choke points too. Um, and that I think like the more you practice decks, the more you learn about your own deck and your own playstyle as much as you learn about the other deck. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess to another uh, point to that is like, I brought up, you know, getting a good circle and everything. If you're really scared about, like, you know, having to invest money into a deck and trying it, just get yourself a good circle of people that you can just borrow decks from. If you don't like playing online and doing all that stuff, um, I think that's a really good way to be able to, like, get stuff is just borrow stuff from your friends. Like, I haven't bought a new deck in, like, months uh, and if I need to play something different, I literally just go and ask my friends to borrow stuff before, like, I do any sort of committing or any sort of other thing, and I, 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 I can barely think about wanting to buy decks ever again now, but that's just me, and I just have good friends, so not everyone can have that. Yeah, I need to get me some friends all lend me some Drytron rank one cards, if you know what I mean, but, uh... Oh, I mean, I'm gonna get the whole Drytron deck lended to me, so, uh... I, I, uh, I feel that, honestly. I do feel that. Yeah. And see, like, I, I like having my own cardboard, too, but I like having my own... I, I've... I used to be like that a lot, but now I've gotten to the point where I only like having my own staples, because that's the real hard thing to come by instead of deck cores. It's easier to borrow a deck core than it is staples, so I like owning my own staples, but then if my friends are already buying the cards and not really using them... I might as well just use them. Put them to use. Yeah, absolutely. So, I gotta make friends. Uh, so... Yeah. I mean, you should just do that anyways. Friends <laughs> are a good thing to have. You'll... You, you get to do so many things with friends. I mean, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! friends. Yu-Gi-Oh! friends. I don't I know. Mean, when I go to shops, Yu -Oh! people friends just stare at me. And it's... It's, like, kind of funny. But, yeah. So what you're telling me is I need to go to your local shop with you and like beat up everyone there and just be like, yo, stop being some shits. Yes, if that will I mean, make them be friends with me, I don't know if it will, but if it would, then yes, that would be super dope. I mean, to be fair, it might that local just may not be a good place to make friends. You may just have to make friends somewhere else and that's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, you may just only have friends that are online based. Like, I know Cody doesn't really have like Yu-Gi-Oh friends in his area too, but like I do, I like I don't know, just base like place to place. People are different, so maybe you're only having online friends and you just borrow stuff for when you uh go to events, and that's probably fine too. Yes, definitely. Murillo's, where is Murillo's? Okay. Uh, next question. Based on your experience, what should a player coming back to the game look out for? Like, for instance, a tricky ruling or a common pitfall? Um... Uh, I don't know. That's... I don't really think about that kind of stuff, so, like, I'm trying to think, like... Because there's so many rulings I can think of now that just seem normal or standard to me, but... I think one thing too is like when you're really learning and getting to know stuff is uh, I guess a pitfall too is like people don't take enough time when they're growing to like really read and understand cards and I think that's really important because like your opponent can easily cheat you if you don't you know read their shit and they can just do something so 
I think the biggest pitfall is being too afraid to read cards and just take the time to understand them. You're allowed to take your time in Yu-Gi-Oh! as long as you're still progressing the game state. So you shouldn't be afraid of slow playing. Um, and I don't know. I think you just need to not be afraid of like taking your time because you're allowed to take your time. And I guess also watching your opponent for slow play is a huge thing too because if you're also being slow, you're gonna like the match is just gonna feel miserable. So it's just it's hard to balance it. But if they're an experienced player who's slow playing, just put your foot down. But like I don't know, reading cards is just I think is gonna help so much better. And just asking questions and trying to take in all the information you can. I think being too afraid to ask questions is also really huge. Like just being too afraid to read cards and too afraid to ask questions. I think if you do those, that's gonna help a lot. Definitely. Um, getting back into locals, people should learn about time, card values, and staples. I mean, you don't need to know card values if you don't trade, because I don't even trade, so I I just look up cards when I need to buy them, and then I'm just like, okay, I know this. So, like, you don't necessarily need to do that. Like, it's I guess it's cool, but it's not a necessity basis that you need to do. Uh, but, like, yeah, like, learning about time is also really important because, like, some people just do not respect the clock and, like, don't know how to play through, like, time. And time is a really important aspect of Yu-Gi-Oh! It, time sucks. It honestly sucks. But you have to learn to deal with it and just learn to play through it and just whatever. Um, like, because the thing is that you're probably going to have a hard time adjusting to, Zara, is you're used to having... 50-minute rounds, when you go back to locals and you go to events, you're going to have 40-minute rounds. So, you have to do things a lot quicker, but a lot of the things that makes Remote Duel have to have that extra 10 minutes is, you know, already there in front of you when you're playing regular Yu-Gi-Oh!, so it's not as bad to deal with. But, I don't, it's still a time adjustment. Yeah, like, I did do real-life locals, and I got, like, three draws or something like that. It was, mm -hmm. like, insane. Um... So that's why, like, we were talking in my Discord about, like, oh, what what can we do? And there's this card. What is it? Arim, was it Spooky Dogwood or something? That, like... Oh, no, 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 no. Please, no. Please, no. Please, no. That is not... Um, well, one really helpful tip, I guess, too, is when you know you're in an unwinnable game, just scoop. Go to the next game. Don't stay in a game if you don't need to. If... Oh shit, Jackie rated you. Hello, Jackie. What's up, Jackie? Jackie is one of my favorite people. Oh yeah, she was actually one of my inspirations when I was like getting into the game more. I looked up to her a lot. Um, I'm glad she's back and existing again. Yes. But uh, yeah, so what was the point I was trying to say? Oh yeah, scooping early. It's such an important skill. Like literally people on my stream all the time, like, I'll literally see a dude do a full combo, or I know they do two moves into their combo, and I know it's just not worth staying in the game, and I'll just be like, alright, I'm instantly scooping, let's go to the next game, I'm not wasting my time in here. Not to mention, especially if it's game one, um, <laughs> yes, I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad you're glad you exist, but anyways, if you're in game one, and they have no knowledge of what you're playing, they're also gonna side in correctly, which makes it so you have a bigger advantage going into game two, and then game three, you can side appropriately, and Hopefully that taking them off guard for game two is enough to hopefully swing momentum back for game three. 
So there's multiple ways scooping early just helps you so much in the game. Yeah, I gotta learn when to give up. So... Because, like, I'm, like... I think it's because I, like, grew up on the anime, and I'm like, I just need one card, and I can turn this around. And so I'm like, I just need one card, but, yeah. No, it, it, it's, it, it's <laughs> such a useful skill to know when to scoop. Like, because time conservation and information holding... Because the, th the thing is, too, let's say you think it's a winnable game state you're still showing a lot of extra cards and you maybe show some text or some other things you play or the fact that you might not play a certain card to make it so they don't have to play around said card anymore. And it's just, there's so many factors that go into it that no matter how you look at it, just, just scooping early is just such a good skill too. Um, <laughs> just when X3 versus Jackie asked me anything, never mind it was 03. <laughs> ah, I feel that. <laughs> But yeah, scooping early, do it. Okay, I'll work on that. Um, I probably should have scooped in a game that, but it was like a friendly, so like I figured ah, it right. doesn't matter. Right, like a friendly match, that's not a big deal. But like, oh yeah, so Calvin also brings up a good point right there. Is like, uh, oh, someone else just joined this. Oh really? Anyways, um, so if you have no knowledge of what your opponent's playing and it's something different then like you can stay in the game a little bit longer just so you can gain information, especially if they're playing something like, if you see some card that's a little bit different, that's gonna help you gain knowledge in the later games, then sure, stay in stay in for an, a reasonable amount of time. Don't stay in it for an unreasonable amount of time and don't reveal too much more information than you need to if you can't win. So yeah. Yeah, I think that's- I won a game on DB. <laughs> Proud. A singular game. Yeah. Anyways. There was a game I I was facing Megaclops and like I wasn't sure if I had an out, but if I kinda thought about it more, I I should have just scooped and gone to the next game. Um, but I was like, Oh, I don't know, maybe I could figure out something and so yeah. Right, and I guess with you not having um the experience basis to know fully what everything you have access to does, then you're gonna feel more encouraged to be in that game still, but once you have the experience to like really know the ins and outs of your deck and how every card kind of works, it's just a good thing to do. I don't know. Yeah, like when I play with Tatsum, do you know Tatsum? I know of him, but I don't really know him. Oh, okay. But continue. Yeah, I play with him a lot. Um, it's actually really helped me get better. Um, but like he'll like scoop very quickly. It's like um, you know. For instance, like, oh, if I banish some stuff in his graveyard or I set up something, he'd just scoop and I'm like, why are you scooping? Like, like, how do you know? Like, maybe, maybe we could turn this around type of a thing. But, um, yeah, like, I was playing against his Drytron deck and I 4-0'd him. Um, and he just kept scooping right away, which is why we kept playing. But I, now that uh -huh. I play the Drytron deck, I kind of understand, like, oh, you know, you can tell, like, it's not like next turn I can really, like, make the same board type of a thing. So, yeah, yeah, like, the thing is, too, like, when I'm testing with people, I'll, like, tell them, hey, I'm just gonna grab my cards now and just get it shuffled up and ready. If you feel like you need to continue comboing so you know what you're doing, because if they're doing, like, an irregular combo string or anything like that, like, I was testing with Shu Ping on my stream yesterday, and he was playing his Rytron deck, so I wanted him to play more, because, one, I wanted to see what his deck did a bit more, plus he was doing an irregular combo string, so it's better for him to fully play out how that worked, 
So I just got out of the game, but he stayed in the game to, you know, know what was going on. And that's good for testing purposes, but if you're in an actual match, like, you, you just need to know when to leave early. Yeah, type of a thing. Well, um, the thing is, if you're playing against, like, a standardized matchup, Brianak, um, like, I already kind of said something about it. If they're playing something not standard, or you see some different play being used or different cards being used, then staying in the game is fine to get information, but if they're literally playing, like, cut-and-paste Dragon Link, there's no reason to stay in the game. What am I going to really learn? Yeah. I do agree with that, for sure. Um, Alright, how can a person find their personal play style slash deck style? Uh, experience. Experience, experience, experience. I don't... I'm not a personal believer in fully of play styles, as weird as that sounds. Like, I heard this a long time ago from, like, some of the old pros, and it I, I didn't like hearing it at first, because, like, I thought, like, I, you know, I prefer this or that, but, like, I don't think playstyles exist in the same sense, because, like, once you get better and learn how different things work, uh... Like, I used to consider myself a combo, or a control player, but now I'm a combo player, so people would consider a different playstyle, but that's not necessarily true either, because I still just, at the end of the day, play whatever deck is just good for me at the time and makes sense for, like, format, meta, and just a different, like, whole group of factors. Sometimes one deck will work at one moment, and it might just be a control deck, and another time combo might be the right way. It just... It takes experience and just being able to pick and choose what's around. And I think just experience is one of the number one factors to determine what deck you should play at a current time and what is right for you. And if you don't have the same experience you need to fully know how to play like a complex combo deck in and out, then like it also takes a big person to admit that you can't do it and it's better for your current skill level as a player uh, to play like something that doesn't take as much or that you're comfortable with at the present time but still kind of work on that side. That's actually something I've been working on with one of my friends who after I uh, topped with the Dragoonity Dragon Link deck, he was like I want to learn the deck. I'm like for the extravaganza and I'm like you're not learning it in a week. I'm comfortable taking more time with you but it's it's, it's it, it just takes time to learn some of these things and you can't force it so I don't know. At the end of the day, experience, experience, experience changes so many things about how you look at the game. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think um, what's really important, too, is, like, uh, don't... I, I, I mean, not that I really can give advice, but I, I, I don't think that you should necessarily lock yourself into a certain type of play style. Like, that's what I did. I was like, oh, I can never do combos, so I have to do control. I just, I can never do combo until I actually sat down and tried it, and I'm able to do it, and I actually really like it. Uh, I, I kind of exactly. like it more than Alistair. I, I mean, not going to lie, I'm sick of normal summoning Alistair. Um, and so, I don't know, I, I think you should really just kind of branch out, and if you find the deck interesting then go for it like don't be afraid don't think you're not capable like cody said anyone can learn any deck and like i didn't believe him um but then i did um not that i'm like a master with this deck or anything like that but um you know there's nothing wrong with admitting your faults in currently like the deck you're currently playing at the time and that actually helps you grow more than just saying 
this deck sucks, I'm moving on. Because, like, when I first learned the dragon deck, I genuinely thought it wasn't that good, and, like, it was just a fluke, so I moved on. But then Cody convinced me to take another look at it, along with Shu convinced me to take another look at it, and I, like, did, and I, I really focused, and I got, like, good with it. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um... Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, I still like Alistair. I still like Shadal's a lot. Well, I like Shadal's more than I like Alistair. I still love that deck, and, like, if if it wasn't for that deck, I think I wouldn't really have gotten that into Yu-Gi-Oh! Because it's, it's pretty easy to learn. Like, it's hard to master, but it's easy to learn. And it made yep. the game really accessible for me. Um, and so, like, I definitely grew a lot as a player by running in Vogue Shadows. And it was like kind of an accident. I bought it and it wasn't meta and then it became meta. Um, but like, I, I think that learning this Drytron deck has just made the game a lot more interesting for me. And um, yeah, uh, I just, I don't know. I think you should just learn more decks and try new things. For yeah. Sure. And kind of like, uh, well, first of all, Shadow Window, if you like being educational, I apparently am forced to talk about all this stuff on my stream sometimes too. <laughs> so if you can check out not not to take away but like yeah you can check out my stream if you want because apparently these discussions come up all the time on my stream so that that, that all right sounds good but anyways um what i was gonna say was is uh the the basis of playing like an easy to learn deck is actually something i always suggest to players when they're getting into the game like uh a couple decks that i genuinely do suggest for people like right now at least are really easy right to, like now easy entry point decks like Zoo Eldlick, um, and, like, Tri-Brigade Zoo. Like, decks that are relatively easy to pilot, but have a lot to it still at the same time. It gets you playing the game, it gets you experiencing the game, and playing the game is the most important part of learning the game. And if you're just able to sit there and play and experience, you're gonna get so much more than just observing and trying to play something that's above your skill level. Just playing the game helps so much and it there's no shame in playing a easy deck i always suggest it for people i don't think there should be any shame in that but if you're hitting a wall you need to like eventually play a better deck like that's just how it is yeah definitely um and i i i never got full power invoke at all because i never got the dogmatica because it's just mm -hmm too expensive um and i figured if i was going to spend money i would just get a better deck um and so mm -hmm. um yeah but i don't know i think like you don't necessarily have to spend like a bunch of money to learn a new deck you can play online or you can play a budget version of it or something like that and you can still accomplish a lot um as long as it kind of helps you i mean that's what pack did right like pack won an extravaganza with like a 50 dollar deck or something like that um and so he kind of proved that it could be done yeah, yeah i mean there's always a way to play Yu-Gi-Oh, and just by not if you're just choosing not to play Yu-Gi-Oh when you want to learn Yu-Gi-Oh, you're just not doing yourself any favors yeah absolutely uh, if you don't yeah. want to play a new deck, try switching up your list. I went X31 week with one build, X1 last night just by modifying a build. Yeah, absolutely. Trying new builds is really good. Um, it's it's definitely... Um... I think the playtesting helped you more, London, let's be honest. Like, changing <laughs> some cards like may make a bit of a difference, but I think getting... 
better is what's going to make the biggest difference overall. And also someone did bring up, like, a minute ago that I saw but kind of glanced over, but someone did mention that, like, uh, they felt like one of the most uh, skillful expressions in this game right now is deck building inside and tech choices. I think when it's a very combo-centric format, that's definitely true. Deck building does shine more than technical play, but then when we get into slower formats, technical play tends to shine more. So, like, again, in a format like Zodiac, or if we were only having, like, Sky Striker mirrors, or if the only things that existed in this current format were, you know, slower mirrors, then it would be more about technical play than deck building. But, yeah, it all depends on the current environment that exists at the current time. Yeah. Do you have any suggestions on side decking? No, I'm fucking shit <laughs> at it, honestly. I just, I, 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 I get a side deck. I uh, hope that I choose the right things, maybe, and just like I don't know, I, I I do not have a good enough knowledge of side decking that I cannot like knowingly recommend how to side deck to anyone because I feel like I'm always doing it wrong every time I do it, and I just kind of hope I did the best I did. Yeah, definitely, side decking is uh... it, it's difficult, honestly. It's it's a skill that takes a long time to master. Thanks, little finger, for the gift sub, by the way. E. Side in three, heart hole. You mean dark hole? Oh. Is Let's see hole? some primes out there, chat. Can we get some primes in the chat? <laughs> prime is free. Prime is free. I use my prime on uh, scapegoat. Oh, I wish okay. I had prime, but I'm too poor for that. Yeah. I just want everything in two days. Pretty much. I, I barely use Amazon. I think my girlfriend has Amazon Prime, but like I barely use it, honestly. Alright, common cheating tricks to catch. Uh, uh I, I, I need to learn this myself, honestly, because like there's been instances where people have told me there's like someone's a stacker and I'm like, okay, how do I like know what they're doing and um, because a lot of people, like, think that, like, a lot of, like, the big players cheat, and it's just, like, they, they don't, at least it's the circle that I have don't, and I think they're scared to teach, teach, or teach cheating to a degree so that, just in case, people also don't try to cheat as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think I'm at that point where I can learn, but I just, I've been too lazy to ask. Um, I think the biggest thing that a lot of people do try to cheat on is how cards interact, and I think... Just the biggest way to really figure that out is just immersing yourself in the game as much as possible and just knowing interactions and just having knowledge again. And just don't trust your opponent like all the time. Just like just 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 pay attention to their stuff and what they're doing. Don't just give them the benefit of the doubt, whatever. Just like hold them to a strict level of play that you would hold yourself to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I think there's something to be said about cheating accidentally, um, you know, forgetting uh, the rules or, like, what a card says yeah. or forgetting to like, banish, things like that. Like, soft cheating happens all the time. That's just... You're not always going to be 100%. Not everyone's going to know every single thing that happens. Like, yeah. And, yeah, reading cards is going to help more than just asking them what it does. And that's one thing I don't like about remote duels because it's harder to want to go on your phone and look up a card and, like figure out each interaction, blah, blah, blah. But, like, once, like, real, like, IRL Yu-Gi-Oh is back, it's going to be so much easier to deal with that shit, so. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's just like, and don't be afraid if you feel like something seems fishy, just call a judge. Just call a judge. There's nothing wrong with calling a judge. They're there to help you for a reason, and I know people always say there is no stupid question. Oh, wait, it is a stupid question, but like, it's, it's there is no stupid question, especially when you're learning, and it's perfectly fine to ask a judge and confirm. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I have to call judges a lot, too, because people will, like, challenge what I say, just as, and I, I mean, I am new, so, new-ish, in a way. Um, so, it's good to have a double check, but also, I think people kind of look at me and assume I don't know what I'm talking about, too. Yeah, um, um, well, it's like, when I'm playing normally, uh, I know what I'm talking about most of the time, and, like, there's some weird random things that people don't know about, and I'm like, I'm, I'll literally, in the most confident tone I have, I'm like, yeah, this is how it works. Kind of trying to explain it for a second, but I'm like, listen, if you don't believe me, you can call a judge and they can tell you as well. There's no problem with that, but, you know, I'd like to still progress this game at a quick quick enough pace, but, like, you're free to call a judge. Yeah. And usually they don't, but I don't, like, use that power to my advantage and whatnot, so, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, prank kids players get a lot of uh, uh, criticism and accusations of slow playing type of a thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's unfortunate, for real. Okay, so oh. um, I know you did a video on this, so I'm going to pull it up. But um, how do you use net decking as an effective tool to grow as a duelist slash deck builder? I mean, we could sh you can just watch the video, but if you want a quick-ass summary, um, so for me, what I consider net decking is, like, just using a list that isn't your own and getting it from someone else. So, like, for me, it just helps cover up my skill, like, my lack of skill as a deck builder and be able to focus on, like, the more technical aspects of the game for me personally. And you can apply that as well. So, like, when a list tops, you get uh, a free resource to use to test out and try those ideas and see for yourself how it works and interacts. And not only that, but like, uh, oops, I accidentally exited your stream, but uh, so like, I'm trying to think of the best way to eloquate it that I'm bad at eloquating on the spot sometimes, but like, um, when you net a deck, you just get to learn a deck and apply that knowledge towards the future as well. Because once you like master a deck, you truly get to understand the deck building choices and the ideas that went into it, because like a lot of standardized deck building is actually really creative in the process of like getting to that point. And once you understand like why they got there and how like this idea came to fruition, you can also use these same ideas to apply it to future deck building. And you get to focus more on technical play first before you focus on deck building, which lets you just focus on one thing at a time and grow your skills progressively instead of trying to do everything at once and failing at everything at once. Yeah, I think that's so, really yeah. important because like, I don't know, I think there's a really big stigma against net decking and um, I think people don't really understand like how valuable it is because deck building is really hard. Like if you're a new player and you're expected to make your own list because people are shaming you for net decking, then it's like you're you're basically handicapping yourself um, because you don't know how to make a deck. You're gonna play a crappy deck, and that's gonna limit your ability to learn and win with that deck because you just don't know how to deck build. 
Um, and so mm-hmm. I think for that reason, like, it is okay to net deck, and that's how I yeah I learned. Yeah, and um, I yeah. mean, all my decks I've gotten from other people. Um, like at my locals, there was a guy that would um, he would uh, well he would build decks for me, like with me, but like basically for me. Um, and it was really helpful because then I I was like starting at a higher place because I knew that yeah exactly. Type of a thing. Yeah, like you just get like this jump start and actually just get to devote more time to learning than you do into like trying to make something. And you're skip you're getting like this head start that you wouldn't have had otherwise. And if you're trying to play competitively in a game, why wouldn't you want to take those head starts and you know, be able to just devote yourself better to learning? Yeah. Absolutely. And, like, if you want to, like, think about it, too, it's just sort of, like, like, the people who make these decks and top, like, have so much freaking experience deck building that, like, you'll never make a deck as good as them. Like, exactly. Like, you can learn that skill, but you're not going to. um, mm -hmm. Type of thing. Yeah, like, that's why I've genuinely admitted, like, I'm... So whenever a deck list I've been given to me is made, like, I've fully admitted that I'm not a good deck builder yet, and it's going to still take me some time and effort. I still sit down and, like, ask them to explain to me, like, what, like, the aspects of, like, this deck list was made for, and, like, how you got to this point. And I still ask questions and, like, try my best to understand everything so I can at least try and absorb that knowledge to maybe hope to grow my skills. But at the end of the day, if I know I'm lacking there's no reason for me to not use those tools in front of me and just make it so I can compete to the best of my ability. And I'm obviously unashamedly doing it because in 90% of my deck pro- profiles, you hear shout out to Justin saying he made my deck list. Like I, I don't have any shame in it. Cause look, you're watching my deck profile for a reason. Cause I did well with it. You ain't doing well with your like, deck that you still haven't even finished yet because you're still trying to figure out how many ash you should play in your main deck when it should be just three like yeah sorry that probably sounded harsher than i need to but like it's an exaggerated example obviously but it's just like i why wouldn't i just want to uh you know take that jump start and just compete yeah we have um cost on talking about he neck uh, they net decked a salad deck and it made them so much better, learning timing and stuff like that. Like Yeah, you just get to focus on so many more aspects that you would otherwise spend hours on deck building otherwise, and you just get to devote that time into something else. Yeah. And, like, there's so much to Yu-Gi-Oh! again that, like, you need to focus on learning the game first if you're not experienced in it, and de- net decking is the right way to do it. Yeah. That sort of thing. And, like, you can always make modifications. Like, you can always kind of look at a list, um, test it out, and feel like, you know what, maybe I I do want to add this hand trap instead, or I want to do this type of thing. Like, Pac's list he gave me, I edited a bit, um, and I was able to be really successful with it. Um, And, like, the list I was using before that, um, I made myself, like, I think I net decked, but then I was adding cards, and, like, once Pat gave me his list, I just did, like, way better, um, because it just made so much sense, and then whenever Cody was helping me, and he changed it, he just sat there and he explained, like, 
why all the cards were different and it just like helped me understand just so much better like this is just super super um very helpful so yeah exactly yeah like and the thing is is like when people talk about the aspects of like taking a net deck deck list and changing a few cards to make it to your quote-unquote play style or like change it a bit why would you do that when you could just like the only reason why you should change a deck list is if there's a meta shift or a new card discovered that's better than the card that was currently being played in the deck if there's new developments to the deck then sure change it but it's the old expression if it ain't broke don't fix it like it obviously was good for a reason and it still did its job and especially in like the current like environment of Yu-Gi-Oh, where like we haven't had anything change like you don't need to like overdo it it's still like i don't know it's still fine you don't need to like change that much yeah definitely and i think also you want to think about the source like um, you want a net deck from someone who's like actually good or one like there are a lot of deck profiles on YouTube that are just trash like I've searched for Gravekeeper's deck list and I've seen like the worst decks of my life um, so don't net deck some like random person's deck like make yep. sure that they've actually won with it like pack is um, always always has like a title that goes with it you know like he's one uh, he was undefeated at a tournament with this list you know he has something to back it up or he was number one extravaganza or whatever the hell it was type of a thing so yeah oh yeah and then uh big bug hunter brought something up the problem with net decking is that you have problems at the moment of siding but if you're already not experienced in siding you're already gonna have those problems anyways net decking or not net decking doesn't solve that issue that you currently have at the time that's still gonna be an issue either way it's not an issue brought forth by net decking. Yes. Thank and you. if you guys really want to net deck like me, just 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 go to Rampengu Nation. <laughs> that's that's just insane. That's where I get everything. Or like, I don't know. There's a bunch of good deck builders out there. Like, just just pay attention to the big names, and they'll even tell you in their deck profiles typically who helped them make the list, who helped them get there, and those are the players that you can pay the most attention to when something happens. So. And there's no shame in like doing that like if you feel shamed for trying to want to improve your game fuck whoever is telling you that like what the fuck yeah i guarantee the people that are calling you lame for net decking aren't actually good at Yu-Gi-Oh. oh yeah no like i'm sure 90 percent of the people that will try and talk shit to me i know i'm better than them <laughs> like good job with not even being able to top locals let me go get my next ycs top and go on a konami live stream and not top an invitational because I actually am just not that good at this game. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> kidding. But yeah. Yeah, you're great. I admire you. So yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, let me uh, speed this up because I do want to get a duel in if you oh, yeah. have time. Um, let's see. Uh, okay, this is my question. And I know we talked about it with Cody, but I want to hear you. <laughs> your opinion about it mystical wrath cattle sleeper card or what i mean okay i i brought this up when you did your interview with cody because i like was typing in the chat and like literally when we would always like test in theory together cody would be like there there's so many times he would actually bring up that card and i'd be like is it really better than any other card we currently have access to 
and we went through this like cat and mouse so much and i was just like cody i i just i just don't know like it the problem is that's the problem with like so many cards that just have potential and it, it's just a weird aspect to think about it's just i don't know it it's decent but is it really going to be any better than any other card you could play and could you potentially play a more versatile better card that's going to do more um yeah yes i don't know okay well I it's will... okay but <laughs> maybe there's a reason why the in. card doesn't get played <laughs> well actually eight years ago there was a point where people were playing mystical ref panel and um yeah, everyone wanted mine but i wouldn't s give it to them because it was an anime card so like i didn't want to give it up and so yeah okay um all right let's let's wrap this up um okay well, our final question um how does one get over the anxiety of attending a locals for their first time um I don't know, like, you're in a room with a bunch of nerds who have the same hobby as you. I mean, you're kind of in a perfect place to exist. Like, I don't know, just just, just bond over playing some Yu-Gi-Oh! Just enter the tournament, play some games, and you can... You instantly have a point to converse and start interacting, and you literally can just build from there. I know it takes time and effort, and, like, like there's literally... Like, the best example I have is, like, uh, when my girlfriend first met me, she kind of thought I was a bitch because I, when I play, I very much so am very, uh, non-communicative and I kind of just, like, don't say shit and just focus on the game and, like, I'm just not social. But, like, then I'll just go and socialize with my friends. But, like, it's just, I don't know, it just, it's just... Eventually, we're now dating for almost a year, so it's just, like, you know, you just most people are friendly at locals there's always those outliers and like you can eventually fall into the right group it's just i don't know just 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 play the game of Yu-Gi-Oh and just talk to them like it doesn't take much to start a true conversation and you can kind of just like only talk about Yu-Gi-Oh stuff at first and then go from there yeah definitely and i do like the suggestions in the chat you know go with a friend talk to the shop owner talk to the judge um you know let people know you're you type of a thing um yeah and so, yeah, I think, uh, I think, uh, not going alone is a really big thing. Cause it's very scary to go alone. And I've gone to card shops alone myself all the time. But, well, I mean, yeah. you're, you're a woman. It is kind of different. Cause like guys are kind of <laughs> fucking weirdos when a female enters the room so much as breathes in it. <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah. Trades help too. Um, all right. Yeah. So, I mean. I need... Then you got someone like me that hates trading. Oh yeah, I always trade away my best cards or get taken advantage of, so... Yeah. Uh, I just hate it, because I just would rather buy it and get out of the way. Like, there's so much song and dance to trading, I just would rather be like, I need this card, just give it to me. I don't need to have tra Like, what do I need trades for if I just have money and I just <laughs> sell the cards I get off of, like, tournaments and shit, you know? Yep, definitely. Thank you so much for watching this interview and the duel, and I hope you have a great day. Alright, thank you. Please like, comment, subscribe.